Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. I know that there's a lot of other things that you could be doing, like playing out in the hailstorm right now. Um, that'd be a lot of fun. But, but I know you guys are busy. Like, I, you, you know, people are like, oh, like young people, they're not busy. They don't know what busy is. No, you guys know what busy is. You guys have homework to, to do. You have tests to study for. A lot of you probably have a job because you're trying to help pay your way through college. Um, you're trying to have some sort of social life in the midst of all of that. You guys are, are busy. And so for you to take time to come and be here tonight, to worship the Lord together, to gather in community to actually listen to to the scriptures, to listen to God's word, gather around God's word. I think it says a lot about you um, and who you are and what your priorities are. And and I, and I know you know this, but like like as you move into other seasons of your life, you're going to still be busy. Like, I'm really busy. I, I have an eight-year-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter. Uh, if you've heard me talk before, you know that I talk about my family a lot, and I'm just not sorry about it. Um, but they, like, they're, I'm at the point in my life now where their, their extracurricular activities are starting to rule my calendar, right? So, like, Mondays is dance. We have dance on Mondays. Tuesdays, we have basketball. In fact, I went straight from basketball, two and a half hours of basketball, to come here tonight. Uh, Wednesdays, we have church. Thursdays, oftentimes, is date night for my wife and I. Uh, Fridays is more dance. Saturdays, we probably have a birthday party to go to because my oldest daughter is the biggest extrovert in the world, and it's, I don't know how the, my introverted self, like, produced that. Uh, and then, and then Sundays is church. And so like we are really, really busy. We have a a lot of things going on. Our life is really full. And if I'm not careful, I can get to the end of my day after a full day of work and all these extracurriculars, I can get to the end of my day and lay my head on my pillow at night and realize I didn't pray today. And to some of you, that may sound weird, but like I've been a Christian most of my life. I I grew up in church. I've been around church and around Christians literally all of my life. And it just seems like to me that that prayer has become the simultaneously the most talked about and yet most underutilized practice in the Christian faith. And I just want to try to help us diagnose why today. Why don't we pray like we should? And you may not be a follower of Jesus, and so you think, like, well, I, what, what is prayer? What are we talking about here? And I think that's a valid question. Uh, some of you may, may know what prayer is, but you're like, I don't even really know how to pray. I've tried, and it's always felt weird, and so I don't really know how to do that. And, and I think those are good questions to ask. What is prayer? How do we pray? But, but today, I just want to really help us discover why we pray. Because I think if we can figure out the why, then the what and the how all of a sudden becomes a lot less complicated. And so if you have your Bible, how many of you actually have a physical Bible with you tonight? Anybody? Yeah, come on, 14 people, let's go. Um, the rest of you, I know you got it on your phone, so if you want to follow along, you can. Luke chapter 11 is where I want to read today. Luke chapter 11, and this is just a passage where Jesus really just teaches his disciples, and he teaches us how to pray. And not just how to pray, but he really helps us to see why. Luke chapter 11 
starting in verse 1. It says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to uh, be able to learn together. I I pray that you would help us to to learn from you, to learn from your ways, um, to be able to see why we pray, which can then help us develop a really strong prayer life uh, in our day-to-day lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Uh, Amen. Uh, so again, I, I talk about my family a lot. Um, my, my wife and I, we've been married for 11 years. And uh, we, we, always said, we always said that at 10 years, we were going to go like backpack Europe or something cool like that. Uh, at our 10-year anniversary, we, we ended up staying uh, one night in Oklahoma City at a hotel. That, that's what we ended up doing instead. So like Europe, Oklahoma City, you know what I mean? Like it's pretty much the same thing. And uh, so, so we didn't really make that happen, but, but we, also, we also said when we had our first daughter, we're like, you know what, when our kids are about like eight and six, we want to take them to Disney World. And this last summer, we got to make that happen. How many of you are Disney World people? Come on. That was the first time I had ever been in my life, all right? I'm 33. This was the first time I got to go. My daughters got to go at ages six and eight. And, and we planned this for an entire year. We saved for an entire year because I, I know you probably don't know this because your parents paid for it all, but Disney World is really expensive, okay? And so we, 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 we didn't tell our daughters about this at all, all year that we were planning. We didn't tell them that we were going. And the day before we went, we gave them these uh, Disney World or these Minnie Mouse necklaces and got to tell them where we were going. And it was the coolest moment. Um, My oldest daughter, she started to cry, and she was like, this is my lifelong dream. She's eight, and apparently she has a lifelong dream, I guess. Uh, And then my youngest daughter, who's just oblivious to the world, she's just always in her own world. She, like, thought it was cool, and then she was just more focused on the necklace at that time. Um, But it was just, like, this really cool surprise that we were able to give to them. And, And I don't know how you feel about surprises, I'm sure most of you would probably love a surprise that's like surprise we're going to Disney World, right, or something like that. But, but the truth is, is not all surprises are great. Uh, some surprises are actually terrible, uh, like a surprise trip to the ER because you end up falling off the trampoline or a surprise test that you were not prepared for. Come on, somebody. Like we don't, like some surprises are good, some are bad. You may not know what a surprise is going to be or when a surprise is going to show up. But one thing we know for sure is this. Is surprises are a reality of life. You can't avoid surprises. Why? Because you don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. You might think that you know. You might think you have a pretty good idea or even a pretty good plan for what's going to take place. But at the end of the day, something is going to happen at some point that is going to catch you by surprise. Rarely, if ever, will you experience a day where you are not surprised. Which is why it's so great for us to know today that we serve a God 
who has never been surprised. He's never been surprised. That there's not a moment in history, that there is not an event that has happened in this world that has ever caught our God off guard. Our God does not exist within space and time like we do. And our God, our God is not bound by the limited knowledge that we have. Our God doesn't just know the beginning from the end. He literally is the beginning and the end. He is the author of mankind and there is nothing that can happen in your life. There is no event that can take place. There is no choice that you can make that is going to catch him off guard. Our God has never been and will never be surprised. And I want you to understand today that this is good news. It's encouraging to know that that you serve a God who who was not surprised by this stormy season that you find yourself in. He wasn't surprised by it. It, It's it's amazing to know that we serve a God who, who, who was not shocked by that event in your life that absolutely rocked your world. He was not surprised by that. It's amazing to know that we serve a God who is not in heaven trying to scramble and figure out how he's going to counter the attack of the enemy on your life because our God has never been and he will never be surprised. And do you want to know what this makes me think? Then why do I pray? Like, why do I pray? If God already knows, if he knows the beginning from the end, if, if he knows how this situation or how this circumstance or how this event in my life is going to turn out, and then why in the world do I pray about it? Like, like, do my prayers actually matter? Do my prayers actually mean anything? Like, are my prayers just pointless talking to the wind? If God already knows, then why do I pray? And if If you're not an overthinker like me and you've never thought this before, I'm so sorry to be bringing this up because, like, it's just bursting some of your bubble right now. Um, And I apologize for that. Just continue on in your ignorance, okay? Just, it's fantastic. But for the rest of us, like, who just overthink things, and for people like me who are just a little bit more naturally skeptical, like, I think this is an important thing for us to consider. Do my prayers actually matter? If God already knows, then why do I, why do I, I pray? And I, and I think most of us know that prayer is important. Like we know that we need to be spending time talking with God on a daily basis. We know that it's important for us if we're going to grow in our relationship with him. We know that prayer is important. But yet I've never heard anybody come up to me in my 15 years of ministry and say, dude, I just pray too much. Like I'm praying all the time. Like I wake up in the morning and I start praying and I don't stop praying until I go to bed. I've just, I'm probably overwhelming God because I'm just praying all the time. I've never heard that. But I've heard plenty people say, man, I need to pray more. I'm not praying like I should, and I can tell. I can tell in the way that I'm treating people. I can tell in how short I am with people. I can tell in, in the way that I just sense anxiety is just beginning to like overtake me in this season. I can tell uh, in the way that I'm responding to surprises in my life. I, I need to pray more. Why is prayer the most talked about and yet most underutilized practice in the Christian faith? And I think there's probably a number of reasons for that. Maybe we just don't know how to pray. Maybe we just haven't made it a habit in our lives yet. But honestly, I think the number one reason that we don't pray like we know that we should is because deep down, we're just not sure if our prayers actually matter. 
We're just not sure if our prayers actually make a difference. Like if God already knows, then why do I pray? Which brings us back to our passage in Luke 11. I just, I want to look at this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together today. So he starts with this. He says, Father. Everyone say, Father. Yeah, I just needed to wake you up for a second. Uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is this word that simply just means to make holy. And, it, and, it's just, and it's simply this. One commentary said it this way. It's a call to a proper attitude in our prayers in light of who God is. And so it's just a reminder for us that our God is to be feared. Our God is to be respected. Our God is not to be belittled or ridiculed. And when I say feared, I don't mean like, oh, I'm scared of God. But it's like we honor him and we revere him in a proper way. Our God is to be seen with honor and reverence and respect. And yet, do you notice how our God, our magnificent, all-powerful, almighty God, invites us to refer to him in our prayers? Not as God, not as Lord, not as King, not as Master, sir, but as our Father, as our Father. Because he's a God who is holy, and he is righteous, and he is all-powerful, and he's deserving of proper fear and reverence and respect, but he's also a God who loves you so much that he wants you to just relate to him as your dad, (laughs) And there's this really cool picture, and I've brought this up before, but there's this cool picture of uh, John F. Kennedy. He's sitting in the Oval Office at the Resolute Desk, and his son John John uh, is peeking out from underneath the Resolute Desk. And the story back then is that, uh, that even though powerful people from all over the world could only enter that office by invitation or by a scheduled appointment, John John had access to that office at any moment. Like at any moment, John John could just bust into the room and his dad, the president of the United States, was not going to send him outside of the room and chastise him and go spank him later for coming into the room. His dad was going to open his arms wide and welcome him into his presence. And I just think it is a cool just picture and reminder for us to understand that that we have access to our father at any moment. That, that even though our God is more deserving of honor and reverence and respect than the president is, and yet we have access to our, our Father at any moment, at any time. You don't have to wait until you're at church to start talking with your Father. You don't have to wait until you get to your prayer closet to start talking with your Father. You don't have to wait until you show up past my bedtime at crossover. Come on, somebody. And t- until you can start talking to your Father, you have access to your Father at any moment and any time. And it's just a reminder for us that that, that prayer is not just some formal conversation between you and a far-off deity who could care less about the circumstances of your life. Prayer is an invitation to relationship with your Father, which is one of the reasons why I pray. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I pray to know God. I, I pray that I might grow in my relationship with him. And so before we ever even really consider the subject of our prayers, before we ever consider what we're praying about, or before we ever consider if our prayers matter or if our prayers make a difference, we first need to consider the person to whom we are praying. He is all-powerful, and he is almighty, and he is magnificent, and he is deserving of proper fear and reverence and respect, and he's your dad. And he loves you. 
He desperately desires to have a relationship with you. And so Jesus, he continues, he says this, Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. And now the second part of this, uh, it's just simply, it is, it is a request. It is asking God to supply you with everything that you need for that day. A modern reading of this could probably be something like, give us today our daily Starbucks. Come on, somebody, because you know you can't function without your coffee in the morning, right? Come on, iced shaken espresso. That's where it's at. It's just, it's the best. It's the go-to drink. Or if you want to get real fancy, go with that toasted vanilla oat milk shaken espresso because that's also fantastic but really expensive. So build up points and then use your points to get a venti with two extra shots. That's what I do. Come on. So it's just a request. It is, it is an invitation. And here's what's cool. It's an invitation to ask God for things in prayer. Okay, like, which is cool. Like God wants you to ask him for things. You don't have to come to God and just be like, and like play some little song and dance where you're like, all right, I need to like, God, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for all you've given me. Thank you. Like, I, you know, like I need to check all these things first and then I can get to the request. No, no, no. God invites you. Come to me with your requests. Ask me for things in prayer. But I want you to notice the thing that comes just before this, though. He says this, your kingdom come. And that might sound weird to some people because we don't really use kingdom language. We don't live in a monarchy, right? But the kingdom of God is simply, it's the rule and reign of God. It's anywhere on the earth where God has, has been surrendered to it as king. It's where people have surrendered their life to his way of doing things. It's where the realities of heaven, the, the, the joys of heaven, the peace of heaven, and the, the, the blessings of heaven are being made known on the earth. This is the kingdom of God. And, and, and when Matthew gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see then that this isn't just an invitation for us to ask God to, to do the impossible or to move in our lives, but it's an invitation for us to surrender ourselves to the will of God and the purpose of God, even when you don't understand it. In other words, there's a level of trust that is involved here. It's where you trust God enough to ask him for the big things, right? You trust God enough to ask him for that test that you have coming up tomorrow that you haven't studied for. Come on, and you're here because you're a procrastinator. Uh, it's, you're here because you love Jesus. Come on, that's why you're here. What are we talking about? But, but you trust God enough to ask him for for freedom from that sin that you've been struggling with for a while? Or you trust God enough to ask him to bring healing and restoration to a broken relationship in your life? You trust God enough to ask him for that job that you want? You trust God enough to ask him to bring that national championship trophy to Norman, Oklahoma? Come on, somebody. Like you... You trust him enough to ask him for the big things. You trust him enough to ask him for the things that matter in your life, for the things that you care about. But you also trust him enough to keep trusting him, even when things don't turn out the way that you want them to. So we don't pray because Jesus is a genie in a bottle where he can give you whatever you ask for. I pray, and you can write this down, I pray to trust God. I pray to trust God, which really just brings us back to the heart of our question. 
Uh, if God knows the, the beginning from the end, if God knows how this situation is going to turn out before it even happens, that then why should I pray about it? Because scripture seems to indicate that while God knows all things, there are certain things in life that are fixed and certain things in life that are flexible. Everyone say fixed. Everyone say flexible. Okay, let, let me see if I can explain this a little bit. So how many of you grew up in a really strict home? A really strict home? Raise your hand. Okay. About half of you. Uh, so, so for you guys, an 11 o'clock curfew meant if you weren't home by 10.59, you might as well not even go home. Right? Because when you get home, you're going to die. And so stay out late, enjoy your last night on earth, because when you get home, your life is over, right? Because you have a fixed curfew. If you grew up in a home like mine, it was a little more flexible. An 11 o'clock curfew meant like 11-ish, and so if I rolled in at like 11.15, it wasn't the end of the world. My parents are probably going to be waiting up for us and have a conversation with us about getting home on time, but, but it was still a little more flexible, right? The, the end goal, the end result is still the same. The curfew gets you home, right? The curfew gets you home, but in some homes it's fixed, in some homes it's flexible. So God is always going to accomplish his ultimate purpose on the earth. He is always, to use that analogy, he's always going to get us home, right? He's always going to accomplish his purpose on the earth. But along the way, some things are fixed and some things are, are flexible. And I wonder if it's okay, if you're fine with it, can we go on just a little mini Bible detour to explain this a little bit further? Is that okay? It's okay with two of you. All right. Um, Guess who has the microphone, y'all? Not you, not you. So, in the book of Isaiah, verse 38, the king of Israel, his name's Hezekiah, he's sick to the point of death, and so God sent the prophet Isaiah to his house with a word from God. It says this, Isaiah 38, verse 1, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order, because you are going to die, you will not recover. Talk about an encouraging word from the prophet of God. Come on. You're just... You, the prophet walks in and you're just like, prophet, speak to me. Tell me what the Lord has said. And he's like, bro, you're going to die. Like you, you're sick and you're about to die. Uh, pretty straightforward. This disease is going to take you out. Verse two, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, I will add 15 years to your life. What just happened here? Hezekiah's prayers worked. Now he was still going to die, why? Because everybody dies, that much is fixed. But when he was going to die, well, that was a little more flexible. Let me give you another example. 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul. Have you heard of that guy? He wrote like half the New Testament, pretty big deal, probably influences our lives as Christians more than anyone not named Jesus. And the Apostle Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh, this hindrance that he had in his life that was keeping him from being able to like freely move about and minister and do the things that he, God had called him to do. And, and a lot of scholars believe that that was 
was really bad eyesight, okay? That, that he had bad eyes that made traveling and ministry and, and planting churches and writing letters to those churches that we now read today made it really difficult. And, and so it says this in verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. What is he doing? He's praying that God would take this thorn from his flesh. Maybe, we don't know for sure, but maybe he's praying, God, give me 20-20 vision so that I am no longer hindered in my ministry. He's done so three times. He's persistent in his prayers, which is also something God calls us to do. Verse 9 says this, though. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So, so what was the answer to Paul's prayer? Yes or no? Yes or no? You can tell me. Yeah, it was no. It was no. And Paul says this, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, the thorn was fixed. It was God's will that Paul have this, this weakness that allowed God that allowed God to get more of the glory for what he did through Paul's life. Because in life, some things are fixed and some things are flexible. And here's the question that we all want to know the answer to. Well, then how do I know if what I'm praying about today, how do I know if it's fixed or flexible? How do I know if what I'm praying about can actually be changed and shifted by my prayers or if what I'm praying about has just been set in stone and this is something that is going to happen as, a, as, a, as, a, as just a kind of a purpose of God, the will of God that like I don't understand, but, but like, like how do I know? Like how do I know if it's fixed or flexible? How do I know if it can be changed or not? Like, like this is the question we all want to know and, and the answer to that question is I have no earthly idea. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. And I wish I did, honestly, man. I wish, I wish I knew, I wish I knew, I wish I knew the answer to that, but I don't. And honestly, when you read the Bible, you can't help but get the sense that it's not actually our job to know the answer to that question. Whose job is that? That's our Father's job. Our job is to trust Him enough to pray as if what we're praying about is flexible, and yet to trust Him enough to keep trusting him, even if what we're praying about is fixed. It's to trust him enough to pray that God would, would, would heal your, your sick family member who's been struggling and hurting. God, heal them. God, set them free for this. And yet it's to trust him enough to keep trusting him, even if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it. It's to trust him enough to pray and believe that God can do the impossible and God can move in your life and God can save your lost friend and God can do, God can do all these things. And yet to trust him enough even if things don't work out the way you prayed they would. In other words, your trust or your faith is not in the result of your prayers, it's in the God of your prayers. And so when God doesn't answer your prayers the way that you want him to, that's not an excuse to stop trusting him. And I wish, man, I wish, like at your age, like I, 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 I hope you can really capture this because I think a lot of people like at your stage of life are kind of at a spot where they're like, well, well God didn't answer my prayer back then, so God must not be real. And there's all kinds of like doubts and all these things and, and doubt is fine and, and Questions are great and all these things, man, God is not afraid of those things. But ultimately, if God doesn't answer your prayers the way that you want him to, it's not an excuse to stop trusting him. It's an invitation to trust him more than you ever have before. To even get to this point where you're like, God, I'm really upset about this. I don't get it. 
I don't understand why this didn't work out. I don't understand why this relationship didn't work out. God, I don't understand why this person passed away. Lord, my grandpa was my rock and I just knew like I had more time with him and I was gonna be able to learn more from him and I was gonna be able to gather his wisdom and I need him right now in this season that I'm in and he's not here, Lord, and I prayed you'd heal him and you didn't heal him and I'm really mad about it, God. I'm really upset, I'm really frustrated, and I don't get why other people pray that their family member would be healed and they got healed, but not mine, God. I don't understand. But I trust you. God, but I trust you. I'm frustrated, but I trust you. I'm angry, but I trust you. Come on, God's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of that. I don't get why it didn't work out the way that I hoped it would, but God, I trust you. See, prayer doesn't get us whatever we want from God. Prayer helps us trust him more. Jesus, he continues, verse four, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. In this specific phrase, I think it should bring our attention to something else that Jesus said in John chapter 20, uh, verse 21 says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you, if you forget, listen to this. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I read that and I'm like, hold up, God. I thought only you were the one who had the ability to forgive people of their sins. And so there's some things that I don't really under even understand here that's going on. But here's, I think, the point is that God was inviting his disciples to partner with him in what he was doing on the earth. And it's the same thing that he does with us, that when we pray, he invites us to partner with him in what he is doing in the lives of people around us and in the world around us. And so here's another reason why I pray. I pray to partner with God. And this goes all the way back to creation. God created man and woman, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And that was not just a command for them to go and make babies, okay? That was a command for them to partner with him in what he was accomplishing on the earth, okay? So what does this mean for us? Well, most Saturday mornings... Uh, my, my daughters and I, we, get, we wake up and we get in the car with our PJ still on and we go to Gourmet Donuts on Porter. Does anyone else go to Gourmet Donuts on Porter? It is the best donut shop in Norman, Oklahoma, just so you know. Uh, and, and I get a cinnamon old-fashioned donut and a jalapeno sausage roll because that's heaven on earth, y'all. This is like kingdom of God stuff is what that is. And, um, but but there's, there's some weekends we don't do that. Sometimes we just stay home and make pancakes. Used to be I was always the one making pancakes. Now my daughters want to help me make pancakes. <laughs> and it's so much messier than it used to be. And, and the pancakes don't, they're not quite as like symmetrical and they're not like cooked as evenly on each side. Like, like it's a little bit of a mess in the kitchen when we're done. Um, but there is so much joy for me. <laughs> And letting them partner with me in that, that pancake-making process. What am I saying? I'm saying that, that God could have accomplished what he wants to accomplish on the earth probably a lot easier and with way less of a mess if he would have just did it by himself. 
But for a lot of different reasons that ultimately just boil down to his love for us, he decided to create the world in such a way that most of what he wants to do on the earth, the most of what he wants to do in Norman, the most of what he wants to do on the campus of the University of Oklahoma, he, he desires to do through you. He, he wants to partner with you in what he wants to do on the earth. And so prayer then is this space where God is able to reveal to us where he is moving and what he is doing and what he desires to do and then invite us to partner with him in in that process. What do I mean? Well, I mean this. Don't just pray for your lost friend. Don't just pray that they would would meet Jesus, that they would come to know Jesus, that they would start following Jesus. You know what you can do? You can go and be a good friend to them. And you can love them like Jesus would, and you can sacrifice for them, and you can can spend time with them and just be an ear to, to listen to all of the terrible things that they're going through because so-and-so broke up with them and it's just awful and they were going to spend their lives together after two days of dating and it was just like, you can be a friend that loves them well and through that God can use you to move them closer to the saving knowledge of who he is. What I'm saying is, is that when you pray, don't just pray as a way to absolve yourself of any responsibility and just be like, well, you're God, so you do it. No, 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 no. Pray in a way that says, God, would you do this thing? And if you want to use me to do it, I'm available. God, if you, if you want to use me to make a difference in the lives of the people around me, God, I'm available. God, if you want to use me to come, come be a part of this group called Crossover and just we meet and worship and gather together and we're just like really passionate about Jesus and it just drives everything that we do throughout the week. I don't know if you want to like use me to be a part of that. God, I'm, uh, I'm available. I, I just think sometimes we're guilty of doing things like, like, Praying that God would give us peace. God, give me peace. And then we just want God to drop peace into our lap. And God can certainly do that, but more often than not, you know what he's going to do? He's going to be like, yeah, I'll give you peace, but you need to change some habits. And you're going to need, some cuts, need to cut some people out of your life or just bring nothing but anxiety into your life. And, and you're going to need to take some things off of your plate uh, because you're just too overloaded and you're just trying to do and accomplish too much. Yeah, I'll give you peace, but you're going to need to partner with me on that. We pray, God, set me free from this sin, from this addiction that I've been in forever. And God's like, absolutely, I want to bring you freedom. But I'm going to need you to get into like a community, like a small group. Like I'm going to need you to get some accountability. I'm going to need you to confess your sin to people. You know, we talk about like confessing our sin and we're like cool with like standing here by ourselves and being like, God, I sinned and I'm sorry, please forgive me. And and that's great. That's fantastic. We need to do that. But But he's... But the Bible tells us that we confess to God for salvation, but we confess to each other for healing. And so you're like, God, why haven't I been set free yet? Because you've been trying to do it by yourself and you haven't confessed that sin to nobody. (laughs) And so God's like, yeah, I want to set you free, but I'm going to need you to partner with me on this. God, help me pass this test tomorrow. I really need your help, God. God's like, yeah, I'll help you pass this test. Open your flipping book actually study, like actually put some work in, put some time in, partner with me on this. What I'm saying is more often than not, when we pray, God is going to try to employ you to become the answer to your prayers. So don't pray as a way of just saying, God, do this thing. Pray and say, God, if you want to use me, 
I'm available. So we pray to join God on mission. I've been preaching for way too long. Let me, let's finish this up. Last phrase of the prayer says this, and lead us not into temptation. Everyone say temptation. So this should also draw our minds back to a, a, another moment in Jesus's life where he was tempted. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's this garden that Jesus went to before he was arrested and, and, then, and then put on trial and beaten and put on a cross for our sins. And in this garden, he was tempted to abandon the plan that the Father had sent him to accomplish. He, he prays this prayer. God, if possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Lord, I don't really want to do this. He was tempted to abandon the plan. And in that temptation, he prays this prayer. And I'm going to read, read this prayer. He says this, Luke chapter 22, verse 42. He says, Father, that's how he starts his prayer. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's the same way he invites us to start our prayers. It is a prayer of relationship. He says this, and I know I already said it, but he says this, if you are willing, take this cup from me. It's a prayer of trust. God, I trust that you can do what only you can do. And then he says this, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's a prayer of participation. God, if you want to accomplish it through me, I am available. And so we see then that in this moment that, that Judas, one of his disciples, he brings these Roman soldiers into the garden to arrest Jesus. And I want you to understand that God was not surprised by that. God was not surprised by Judas betraying Jesus. God was not surprised by the Roman soldiers coming to arrest Jesus. He was not surprised as those soldiers beat him beyond recognition and nailed his hands and feet to the cross. He was not surprised by all the mocking and all the ridicule that took place. The cross was fixed. It was fixed. Jesus said, if there's another way, God said, no, there's not. It was fixed. And yet, please hear this, and yet Jesus prayed. And I'm telling you, if we can get this in our soul, it will transform the way that we pray. Why do I pray? It's really dumb and it's really simple, but I'm telling you it's helpful. Why do I pray? I pray because Jesus prayed. <laughs> And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, if he thought that prayer was important for him, then I think it's safe to say that you and I should probably consider prayer as pretty important for us. And so guess what the, the challenge is this week? Guess what the practice is this week? It's to pray. And I don't care what that looks like for you. I really don't. I don't care if you pray in the morning or in the evening. I don't care if you pray while you're driving in your car or you pray in your dorm room when no one else is around. I don't care if your prayers are just silent reflection before the Lord or if your prayers are really loud and annoy everybody on your hall. I don't really care. I don't, I don't care how you pray. I just want you to pray. I, I, want, you, I want you to experience what, what it means and what it looks like to have relationship with your Father. I want you to know what it looks like to, to, to grow in your trust and your faith in God regardless of the circumstances of your life. I, I want you to be able to see that as you pray, that there's going to be moments that God's going to like put somebody on your heart to, to like reach out to. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize that they were in a really tough spot and you're reaching out to them. And it's because God led you to do that in a moment of prayer because he invited you to participate in what he was doing. Come on, I just, I want you to pray. Imagine what it would look like if every person in this room committed themselves to a life of prayer. Imagine what God could do through us. If we just said, Lord, I, I, it's, 
I don't really get it. I don't understand it. There's a lot of mystery to this still, and I don't really know how to do it, but I'm going to do my best, Lord, to just spend time with you and see what you might do through my prayers. 